Hello. Um, as Ian said, I'm Brooke. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I am on the worship team and the preaching teams here. And I'm going to come a little bit further forward. <laughs> um, today, I am really excited because we are looking at a big chunk of Acts 14. So, verses 8 to 28. Last week, Jim explored evangelism, looking at Paul and Barnabas. If you missed that, or any of the rest of this walkthrough Acts that we're doing, definitely check out the podcasts. Today, we're going to continue looking at, these, at Paul and Barnabas and their resilience and faithfulness to this mission. Hannah is going to come up and read the passage for us with a slight look back at where Jim left us. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles, when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them. They learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking. And Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul, and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations... We must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. 
Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained <coughs> no little time with the dis- disciples. Thank you so much. There are a lot of place names in there. <laughs> I'm very glad I didn't have to read it. So as I was reading this, um, I don't know about you, but the first thing that struck me was that they just kept going. At my high school, uh, we had this set of things that started with an R that we valued. Uh, we'd be rewarded for these things. Um, they're called the five R's, very original name. Um, they were resourcefulness, reasoning, reflection, responsibility, and resilience. Now, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that Paul and Barnabas score pretty well on all of these. But what we see a lot of in this passage is their resilience, their faithfulness to their mission, the fact that they just kept on going. The reason I wanted to jump back a bit to last week's passage is because, for me, this is the first place where this resilience, this faithfulness, stuck out. At the very beginning of the chapter, Paul and Barnabas are preaching in the synagogue, which, as we've seen happen throughout Acts, stirred up mixed responses. Many believers, uh, many believed, but many became embittered. I want to zoom in on verses 5 to 7. It says, When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, They learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lucuonia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. This genuinely blows me away. Here are the exact same people that they're trying to tell the good news of Jesus to, trying to stone them. And what's their response? They carry on. They keep on going. And they keep on preaching, sharing that good news all the more. I'll come back to some of the really cool stuff that happens in between. Spoilers, there's a, um, a healing, and God does some really cool stuff. But first, I want to skip ahead to verses 19 to 13, where we again see this staggering resilience. It says, But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned, to the go- they, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed." This is similar to earlier on in the passage, except this time Paul is actually stoned, presumed dead. This is not a nice thing to happen. For the crowd to have assumed him dead, he must have been in pretty bad shape. Why was he willing to go through this for the gospel? And even more stunning to me is what he does next. He rose up and went back into the city, went to the surrounding area, 
and preached the good news. They just kept on going. Even when faced with what was, I'm sure, terrifying and painful opposition. Why? And I think equally importantly, how? Going back to the start of today's passage, we see Paul and Barnabas in Lystra. Paul is speaking, and someone that is there listening is healed. This is a man who has been lame since birth, someone who has never walked. It doesn't mention anything of him asking for healing. In fact, it doesn't say anything of him other than the fact that he listened to Paul speaking. Where listen is used here, it's used in a way that when used elsewhere, it's saying that he was actively listening, taking it in, not just there. It would have been well known to those around that this man was crippled. He would have likely been a social outcast, unable to work. Paul, looking intently at him, it says, and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand up right on your feet, and he sprang up and began walking. This would have been astounding for those around. A man who has never walked before, just springing to his feet and walking. That would astound any of us. This display of the very kingdom that Paul was proclaiming, a practical outpouring of the good news of Jesus. And it's something that still happens today. This hand-in-hand marriage of word and wonders to share the gospel, to demonstrate the kingdom, to act as a witness to God, and it's a key to Paul's work as it is to ours. Here at Vineyard, we chat about the four W's of church, wonders, word, works, and worship. And in this passage today, we catch glimpses of all of these at play in the earliest of churches. Now, this faith that Paul is able to see in the lame man, he's able to see and notice because he's listening to the Holy Spirit, the nudges of what is going on and what God's up to around him. It is a faith that is a gift from God, not one that can be generated by the man himself. When it's used elsewhere, um, and the kind, of, the kind of faith, the word that is used for faith, um, tends to mean that he was, he's been persuaded of the truth of God, come to trust God. It's not just that this guy is super hopeful. It's that he has come to believe in this good news of Jesus. And this is what heals him. A miraculous healing. A healing that becomes the center point for Paul and Barnabas's ministry here. Because Paul listened to and acted on nudges from God, and because of a man's faith, a community was transformed. But a lot of what has happened gets lost in communication. They are ministering in an area that is largely Gentile, with no synagogue, with different idols and different languages. This leads to a lot of confusion. Paul and Barnabas are labelled as gods because of the healing that has happened. One of the problems here is that Paul and Barnabas don't realise what is happening as they were speaking Luconian. When they did find out what was happening, they immediately addressed it. I imagine it would have been tempting to take the glory, to enjoy being celebrated at least for a while. I know that's something I find tempting, if I'm honest. Yes, please, I I shall take that garland. Nice little bonfire here from the sacrifices. Thank you. Wonderful. Uh, 
would also probably have been easier for them to give up, to move on when it wasn't going to plan. But they didn't. They just kept on going. They defended truth, they remained faithful to their mission, and they pointed straight to God. He tells them of how good God has been already. They want God to receive the glory and the worship that he's due. What happens next in Paul and Barnabas' ministry is really hard. Paul is stoned. This is just another part in the pattern that's emerged in Acts, one of gospel proclamation and opposition, driving along only to hit another set of red traffic lights at seemingly every turn. Fun fact, the average person spends about six months of their lives sitting at a red light waiting for it to go green. (laughs) And this is, to an extent, what we see happening throughout the New Testament. They constantly face opposition for the gospel work they're doing, and yet it does not stop them. I've been stopped by much less, by someone looking at me funny when I'm telling a story of what God's been up to, by a little bit of pushback, by being too busy to tell my friends about Jesus, and by being afraid of rejection. Paul is utterly rejected by his own people, the Jews, just as Jesus so often was. It's a rejection of God and of the good news, not of Paul, not of me, and not of you. But it's really hard not to take it personally, to put walls up and to want to try, not want to try again. I know that's what I do. But what does Paul do? He gets up and he keeps on going. He has unbelievable faith in God and to the mission that he's been given. I really like that it's mentioned here that the disciples, the believers, gathered around Paul and he rose up. God puts us in community. I love knowing that when I take a hit for the gospel, I am surrounded by a family of disciples who have and will gather around me, support me, and probably even offer a hand to help me get back up and on my feet. And I love that this is demonstrated here. Paul is an incredible witness for Jesus, and so are the people in the community around him. This must be real, and it must be really important. Otherwise, I don't know how or why they were able to keep going. Paul knew that he had to share Jesus at any cost. The Jesus that had completely transformed his life. The Jesus who died for the Gentiles and the Jews. The Jesus who he was fully convinced was truly God, which changed everything. What Paul does next is genuinely a little bit crazy to me. He goes straight back into the city he's just been dragged out of. And he preaches the gospel again. This is a man of obedience. After going to the nearby city of Derby, he returns again to help establish the churches there. We see that in verse 21, when he had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. What this shows us is that Paul's mission was about so much more than just that initial introduction to Jesus. It's not just surface-level wing-manning for God, chatting about how great he is, getting the conversation started, and then running away while they have that first awkward conversation. 
Paul's mission was about building up the church, not just in numbers, but in strength. It was about encouraging them, discipling them, helping them on their journey with God. It's about loving these people long-term, just as our mission should be. I know that in the past, what turns out to be the starting line for a future relationship with God of new life, uh, I mistook that for the finish line of evangelism, that a prayer of confession being said was a box I could tick to say that I had done the evangelism thing and that that was where it stopped. And it's so not. In establishing the church here, Paul puts people in place to help lead and facilitate. This is something that he does really carefully and prayerfully. In verse 23, it says, when they, when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. <coughs> prayer and fasting are spiritual disciplines that are both super important and something I know I need to take more seriously. As a church, as Ian has already mentioned, we're having a prayer and fasting starting tonight. Here's a little snippet from the Kingdom Vineyard Facebook that I think really nicely sums up why we're doing this, why fasting is important, as well as what it is. In addition to fasting, just for the sake of the Lord, we are going to continue pressing, we're going to continue to press into God regarding the uncertainty of our building. Fasting is a spiritual discipline where we willingly deprive ourselves of something that we have come to rely on so that we might lean all the more upon God. We know from scripture that dedicated times of fasting together can break down strongholds and see the release of God's promises. Let's get on board with this and push into God together, just as Paul did when setting up those early churches. Paul doesn't ignore the hard stuff. Uh, he encourages them to continue on, to keep on going. Faithfulness and resilience are things that are developed through the tough times. It's clear to Paul, it's clear to us that Paul goes through plenty of these, as does the early church here in Lystra, and as do we. I know it's hard, Paul knows it's hard, and you know it's hard, but it's so worth it. The fact that Paul and Barnabas and all these early believers kept going means you and I can stand here today and do the same. They lead by example, as well as by telling us what's going on. Show and tell, if you like. It's the same God that sustains them, that sustains us. Sustains us as a church as we look for a new building. Helps us to keep going when work is hard, when people shut down our conversations when talking to them about God. When we feel pushed to the end of ourselves. We're able to keep on going because we are sustained by the same good God and because we are joining in with that very same mission that Paul was doing, proclaiming Jesus and ushering in the kingdom. And I really love what happens next. It says in verse 27, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God has done with them. And now he had opened, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. 
It is a brief stop after a long, hard journey before they go on again in another display of this crazy resilience. They gather together in community and they celebrate what God has done. They rejoice in the God that saved and sent them. This is even more of that strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith we saw in verse 22. It's also putting what they did, it's also what they did when the Lucreonians misplaced their worship and putting it onto Paul and Barnabas, labeling them as Zeus and Hermes. It's pointing back to God. Paul and Barnabas are unfailingly faithful in their mission and in their worship of God. These things are not separated. They go hand in hand. This glorifying God, this worship, is key to Paul's ministry. And it's a large part of what builds his faith, of what strengthens him to go out again and again when things just keep coming up against him. He is thankful, he points to God, and he rejoices. Wouldn't it be really cool if our first response to coming through a hard time or being in the middle of it was worship. Let's be worshippers like Paul and Barnabas, lovers of truth, resilient evangelists, and good listeners to God. I wondered this morning if God might be wanting to sustain us. If you're feeling like you're at the ends of yourself, like you're surrounded by enemies, rocks in their hands, no way out of it, just as Paul was like you're almost dead, like you just can't keep going with the mission, with this Jesus stuff, or with anything. Let us gather around you, and let us come before the God that sustains us. I'd love to invite you up to receive some prayer in just a moment when we have our ministry time, if that's you. Paul doesn't keep going by his own strength, it's by God's, and we are called to do the same. If what's been said here resonates with you, if you want to respond from earlier to, to anything that's been said or anything that's gone on, if there's anything you want prayer for, I'd love to encourage you to come up as the band starts playing. Why don't you stand and I'll pray. God, we thank you for your presence with us today. We thank you for all that you are to us, that you are our sustainer and you are worthy of all worship. God, would you be uh, with us? Would you be continuing to seal this to our hearts? Holy Spirit, come. God, we ask you for this resilience. Help us to be faithful, God. Amen.